This morning's message is entitled, An Inheritance Promise, from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 through 14. Would you join me as I read our passage for this morning? In Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we who were first, the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of His glory. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, it, is not, um, it does not escape us, Lord, that throughout your word, the Old Testament and the New, you have promised an inheritance to your people. And Father, we are eternally grateful for that inheritance, the inheritance of eternal life the inheritance of being reconciled with the Creator God, the inheritance of being one with Christ. Father, I am thankful that in uncertain days, when, when wealth can be lost at a moment's notice, when blessing can turn to chaos in a second, that our inheritance is secure. We do not have to worry. Furthermore, Father, we can be assured of our salvation. Because our salvation was not purchased by man. Our salvation was not purchased by our efforts. Our salvation, our inheritance was not earned by our deeds. But it was gifted to us before the foundations of the earth. It was bought and paid for with the blood, with the life of Jesus Christ. And it is sealed by the Holy Spirit. We may lose jobs. Banks may fail. Countries can invade, but our inheritance will always be Because you will always be. And you do not fail. Lord, we love you. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. I was at um, <clears throat> my son's basketball game yesterday. And I was uh, talking to some folks. And something came up about the economy. And um, 
and I'll, I'll be the first to admit, I'm not one to talk. I, I don't like talking about politics. I will, but I don't like talking about it because most of it's foolishness. I'll just, just be blunt. <laughs> most of it's foolishness and, um, and, and silly, and, and I'm not, an, I'm, I'm not a uh, conspiracy theorist. I'm not a paranoid individual. I'm cautious, but I'm not paranoid by any means. And so I just don't get into talking about those things, and I don't like stirring up stuff and all that kind of stuff. But yesterday I was talking, and it came up about the economy, and the comment was made uh, that there's been some talk about individuals losing their inheritance. And this person asked me, well, what happens if you lose your inheritance? Now, I have to tell you, I don't go throughout my day thinking about my inheritance. <laughs> That's not something I think about. And, and sorry, boys, I don't think about your inheritance either. <laughs> That's, that's not the first thing on my mind when I wake up in the morning. And, um, but I, I'll tell you, I, I, um, honestly, I, I, uh, I, give, I give glory to the Lord, and I, and I mean that. I'm not just, I'm not just saying that, uh, because before we went to that ball game, I was actually studying my, my passage um, for this morning, and I was walking through it, and when the individual asked me, are you worried about losing your inheritance? I said, honest to goodness, the only inheritance I'm worried about is the one I have up in heaven, and I'm not worried about that at all. And that's the truth. And folks, that's not my wisdom. That's just, that's just Bible. That's just truth. And um, there's a lot of talk about that. There's a lot of talk about you know inheritance and inheritance taxes and all that kind of stuff. And, and I get all that sort of thing. But folks, there is one, one inheritance that we need to be concerned with. And that's the one that we've been given through Christ that was promised to us that we have been blessed with before the foundations of the earth. And it's according to His purpose, the counsel of His will, and to the praise of His glory. That's what, that's what Paul says. It's to the praise of His glory. And it is a glorious inheritance. You know, whatever you might inherit in this life, even those things are, are eventually going to fade. At the very most, at the most, if you use them how most people use the inheritance, their inheritance, whether it's big or small, they use it to make their life a little bit more comfortable. They pay off some bills, they go on a big trip, Something of that nature. I started thinking a little bit about inheritance after I was walking through this passage. And it is very true that in the Old Testament and even in the New Testament, the concept of an inheritance was a very important thing. It was important because that inheritance procured the family. It, 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 caught, it allowed for the family to continue after the patriarch's death. And so an inheritance was important, but inheritance was about survival. But the thing that we need to remember is that even when we're talking about Abraham, when we're talking about Jacob, when we're talking about Isaiah, when we're talking about uh, Isaac, when we're talking about all of these individuals in the Old Testament, 
when we're talking about individuals in the New Testament, we have to remember that every single thing that was given to them, either that they earned or that they were gifted through an inheritance, was a gift of God. There is nothing that is not God's. It says that, you know, that, that the Lord, everything in the universe is His. It's all His. And it's all a blessing. So I started thinking a little bit about it. And I was like, what is the best way to use an inheritance? And I think Paul says it to the praise of his glory. How sad would it be to work and work and work and work and work your entire life only to build up a pile of wealth just to hand it down to someone who's going to go on a fancy trip. And so I've been thinking a little bit about this, and sure, my boys will probably get, they'll get the house, and they'll get the farm. But there's not going to be any money. Because I want to use it for the praise of God's glory. To the very end. Because that's why he gave it to us in the first place. Oftentimes we think that we work to earn money to pay our bills. No, we work to honor the Lord. We receive money to honor the Lord. Yeah, we pay a bill with it. But in the end, it's, is your life all about honoring the Lord? And that's what this inheritance is about. This inheritance was given to us to the praise of God's glory. It says, In Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we who were first to hope in Christ might be, the, might be to the praise of His glory. So let's just walk through here and talk a little bit about this inheritance. First of all, what is the inheritance that we're talking about? The inheritance that, that Paul is referring to is our inheritance of eternal life. That's what it is. Now, it's not just eternal life, so let's be clear. An eternal life in the absence of God. See, here's, everybody is going to live forever, okay, if you will. But only a few will live in the presence of God's glory. The rest will stand condemned. You, there, there is a theology that goes around that says at some point, because God is ultimately love, that God would not condemn an individual to eternal condemnation in hell because he is so loving so at some point even people in hell will just cease to exist that is not what the bible teaches the bible teaches is that we will exist forever either in the presence of a holy god or outside of his presence May we be the former and not the latter. 
But for us, the saints, we haven't inherited a blessing. We have obtained a blessing to where we get to be in the presence of God forever. Now, the first thing, one thing I do want to mention here, just in case some of you, some, some of us like to get into the commentaries and do research and things, and so I pulled out my stack of commentaries, and I wanted to see what they said about this word inheritance, and uh, th- there's, there's some disagreement, actually, about what this means. Some believe that this inheritance is actually not referring to our inheritance, but it's actually referring to God's inheritance, that God is inheriting us, that He chose us to be his inheritance. And there are other places in Scripture that refer to that. And so that's not unbiblical, all right? That, that we are his and that he chose us to be his for all eternity. And so in a sense that when we die, that, we, that he will receive us to be with him. And, and that's, a, that's perfectly biblical. What's most likely, though, is the way that it's read in the context of the passage where it says, in him we have obtained an inheritance. The inheritance is ours, and that inheritance is eternal life in the presence of God for all eternity. So that would be the inheritance, and that is also biblical. So either way that we go here, we're not going to be straying from Scripture, but I think it's best that we look at it from the perspective of the second one, because I think that fits within the context of the whole passage a little bit better. And so our inheritance that we're looking for, it's not wealth, it's not health, it's not our own glory, but it is eternal life in the presence of the Creator God who loves us and who redeemed us through the blood of His Son and has sealed us with the gift of the Holy Spirit. So let's look at three major points. Number one, our inheritance is predestined. It says, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose. Your earthly inheritance, whatever that might be, is not predestined, if you will, from your parents' perspective. Now, is it all a part of God's provision? Absolutely. Okay. So does God know how much, how much bank you're going to have when, that, when the lawyer comes and said, here's your estate? Yeah, absolutely. God knows exactly what that is. That's part of his will. But from your parents' perspective, that's not, they don't know that. The bottom could fall out. The bottom could fall out. Did individuals believe they were going to be going into the Great Depression and losing absolutely everything? And inheritances that once were a mountain high ended up going into the ground? No, they didn't know that. They had no way of knowing that. Many did not. But the idea that our inheritance in heaven is predestined means that it is a promise that has been made to us before the foundations of the earth. Our eternal life has been secured. There is no risk of losing your eternal life. Now, not all denominations believe this. There are some who believe that you can lose your station in heaven, that you can do so much wrong that you can lose your salvation. 
Now, from a human perspective, that makes a lot of sense. I just want to pause and say that makes a lot of sense. Let's use an analogy. You get a job. You earn a job. And when I say earn, most of us earn that job, meaning we have the right education. We did the work to get the education. We've done the work as far as building up and have gotten certain other jobs leading up to that. And so we've done the work in order to earn that job. So you get a job, you're in that job, but there is nothing guaranteeing that you get to keep that job. It is perfectly plausible that once you get in that job, you could sleep on the job enough, commit enough crimes while in that job, or do something just dastardly enough that you would lose that job. It makes human sense. But from a biblical perspective with regards to our salvation and to eternal life, the problem is you didn't earn your inheritance in the first place. You didn't earn it. God earned it. God chose you before the foundations of the earth. God sent His Son to die upon a criminal's cross so it was His blood that purchased your salvation and it was the Holy Spirit that sealed it. So I will argue that a person believing that they can lose their salvation is actually the height of both arrogance and narcissism. And here's why. It sounds like it would be humble. Oh, I could be, I am so evil that I could lose my salvation. That sounds humble. It's actually not. And here's why. When you say that, it is as if you have the power to break a seal that the Creator God formed. And you can't do it. What God providentially ordains is going to happen. We are not smart enough, powerful enough, good enough, or bad enough to go against God's providence. Our inheritance in heaven, it is predestined. It is predestined. So it says, In Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him. So it's according to His purpose. Who works all things according to the counsel of His will. Everything. I have, I have heard some individuals saying that God is too busy to deal with that. Or God's not worried about the little things. Folks, God is concerns Himself with everything. The smallest problems, the greatest challenges, God is equally involved in. Don't ever say, I'm not going to go to God with my piddly prayers. God loves you and God cares. But everything is according to His purpose and all things 
are according to the counsel of His will. And we cannot break that chain. We can't. What God has predestined, we will not thwart. No matter how good we are, and no matter how evil we are. And in case you haven't heard me say it, some will ask, can't you just be so evil? Like a Christian gets baptized in all these things and they go to church and all of a sudden they just turn a, turn a blind eye, they deconstruct their faith and now they, they reject Christ and, and all of these things and now they go, I don't know, they're mixing up potions in their basement, right? I don't know, okay? Is, is, isn't, doesn't that mean they've lost their salvation? Here is what I will tell you. They never had it to begin with. They never had it to begin with. Everything that predated that deconstruction was merely whitewashed tombs. But they were dead inside. And this is why we need to be very careful how we teach the gospel and teach salvation so that we do not lead people to believe that they are saved when they are not. We don't baptize people on a whim. We do not pull people into the church and make them members on a whim. We discuss it with them. Some people say, well, it's just not biblical to have those, those Bible classes or those member classes and stuff like that. Folks, those member classes are keeping people from being, being fooled into thinking they are saved. And I'm guilty. I'm guilty of, of having people walk the aisle having people saying a prayer, baptizing people without fully comprehending whether or not I believe they're actually saved or not, dunking them over underwater and never seeing them grace the front doors of the church ever again. Why? Because they got their blessing, right? Now they're gone. They're on their way. They're secure. I'm guilty of that. Many, many pastors are. I won't do it again. Our inheritance is predestined. It's according to the counsel of His will so that we who were first, the first to hope in Christ, might be to the praise of His glory. That means that those who are here in the presence of Christ before His second return, it's to the praise of His glory. So our inheritance is predestined. We have been chosen. Number two, our inheritance, it is guaranteed. Your inheritance, your earthly inheritance, is far from guaranteed. Now, I tell Lucas and Jackson that they'll have the house one day. I have no way of knowing that we'll have the house one day. One of these days they'll get the farm. I have no idea if they're going to get the farm one day. My pastor, the one who kind of reared me in the ministry before I came here, said to me once, he said, most of us are one or two crises from completely falling apart, from having everything taken. Think about it. I do. Folks, most of us do not have a nest egg to fall on that if one loses their job like that, where they can just fall on that without having major repercussions. Our inheritance on earth is not guaranteed. Our inheritance in heaven is. 
It says here, beginning in verse 13, In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Now we're going to walk through that passage real slowly, okay? It says, we're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. That sealing of the, of the Holy Spirit, that is the guarantee that your inheritance is secure. Now, what you might be thinking is that I contradicted myself, or the Bible was contradicting what I was teaching from the earlier verse right there. So let's just walk through that real quick. It says, in Him, meaning in Christ, you also... When you heard the word of truth, let's pause right there, okay? People come to faith when they hear the gospel. This is why the preaching of God's word, the teaching of God's word, and the sharing of God's word is so important. It is life-changing. It is life saving. There are no more powerful words in the world than those that are in the Bible, specifically in the gospel. Because there is no other name on earth or in heaven by which we are saved. There are none. It is Jesus and Jesus alone. And so it says, in Him you also, when you heard the word of truth. So first of all, we hear the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him. And then you were sealed. Now some will twist that and say, see, you did something. You had to believe in order to be saved. And I will argue, yes, you do. You are not saved unless you believe. But what we're going to find out in a few weeks is that belief is not something that Paul Grimes conjured up in his kitchen. It's not something that Christy Allen cooked up in a casserole. It's not something that Sue Thompson dreamt up on a good night's sleep. Your faith, Paul says, is a gift. So what ends up happening, this is the way this works. God chose you, predestined you, blessed you with an inheritance of eternal life before the foundations of the earth. That happened. And then God, through the gospel, through the preaching, the teaching, the sharing, the reading of the gospel, used that as a means by which... For you to receive faith, you were gifted faith to believe. In other words, 
Chris Grimes, at age, I have no idea, 12, 13, I don't know when it was. I, honest to goodness, I don't know when it was. I know, I know around about what happened around that time when it just kind of, when it clicked. When I heard the gospel being preached, God opened my heart, opened my ears, opened my mind to the truth, and then He gifted me faith. He gift-wrapped it. He gifted me faith. Causing me to believe. Causing me to believe. It was not my willpower that caused me to believe. I wasn't sitting there in the, in the pews while the gospel was being preached and sitting there like working really hard to believe it. I'm going to work really hard. Sort of like, I don't know, like, uh, like Jedi mind tricks. Like, nanu, nanu, nanu. Wait a minute, that's another thing. That's Mork and Mindy, isn't it? But anyway, that's another story, okay? But you get the idea, right? I wasn't like, I wasn't sitting there trying to like will it into my being to be saved. And, and furthermore, my grandmother, a saint as she was, who was sitting behind me, wasn't sitting there going, and you're just kind of like scanning the room, trying to find unbelievers and trying to will them to believe. doesn't work like that. The gospel's presented. God opens our heart, our minds, and our ears to hear the truth. He gifts us faith, and then we believe. If it happens any other way, then at some point we can pat ourselves on the back for our own salvation. Well, I believed because I finally figured it out. I believed, I, 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 I believed in Christ, Christ because it finally became logical to me. It finally made sense to me. Folks, the gospel doesn't make sense to sinners. It's a stumbling block. It's a flat-out obstacle because it means that you have to die to yourself and no one likes to die to themselves. So when you heard the gospel of truth, if there's a believer in here, you heard the gospel of truth at some point. You may not be able to remember when. I get tired when people say, when, when was the moment that you believed? I'm like, some of us may not be able to know that. Do not, do not base your assurance of your faith on a date written in a Bible or the date that you got dunked in the water. Do not base your assurance on that moment. We do not base it on a moment. We base it on Christ. Because I kid you not, I, we baptized four or five people a few months ago, didn't we? We baptized a few, dunked them clear under the water. We did it the Baptist way, full immersion, all that kind of stuff. No one drowned. All right? We yanked them up out of the water, and we celebrated. Right to celebrate. Absolutely. Some of you are in here. We celebrate. We're thankful God. Praise God for all of that. And then I will tell you this, is that your fruit, the fruit that you bear, will determine whether or not that was genuine salvation that you experienced. 
I know the moment, I can tell you the exact moment when I first heard the gospel and like something clicked, something clicked, I am not going to tell you that that was the exact moment that God turned my life around and saved me. I am not going to tell you that because I can't guarantee, I don't know if that was it. All I know is that something clicked in that moment. What I can tell you and what I can trust is that Christ has been good to me for the last 30 years. And so our inheritance is guaranteed. And if you get nothing out of this message, this is what I want, to get, I want you to get out of it, is this. Is that you can be assured of your faith. You can find assurance in your faith. But it's not in a date in a book in the Bible that you've written in there the day you were baptized. It's not the day that you walked the aisle and you repeated a prayer, a magic prayer. That's not what gives us assurance. The assurance comes from the fact that Christ gave His life for us. He laid down His life for us. And we know that when He saves us, He changes us. So I might not be able to tell you the exact moment I was saved, but I can tell you this, is that from a fairly early age after that, I have committed my life to following Christ. And I cannot comprehend life. I do not remember life before that. Like, I can't comprehend a life outside of Christ. I don't know how people do it. I work with people, I, I talk with people, I have friends who are unbelievers. Talk with them all the time. And Crystal and I were kind of talking about this yesterday on our sort of, it was an impromptu date, yay for us. All right, went to the gun store, it was awesome. Okay, and, and we were talking about this, and I, it just, it, I'm, I'm befuddled about what people's purpose, purpose is who don't know Christ. It confounds me. Like, I kid you not, and I'm not doing this, saying this to pat myself on the back, because it's not me. It's not me. If it wasn't for Christ, I'd be chasing for oh, Lord knows what. But you all can feel this. You all experience this too, is that Christ, as your Savior, is an every moment thing in your life. It's present every moment of your life. You go to work and you know that Christ is there. You go to bed, you know Christ is there. You know that when you're struggling, that Christ is there. You know that when there's joy, Christ is there. It's just, He's there. And for unbelievers, I'm like, what's there? What is so valuable that you'd be willing to give your life up for it? And I would argue that Christ is the only thing that's that valuable. Our inheritance is guaranteed. And finally, our inheritance is to the praise of God's glory. In verse 12 and 14, it says, in 12 it says, So that we were the first to hope in Christ, uh, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to 
the praise of his glory. And then at the end, um, the, talking about the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. This furthermore nails down, to the, nails down the fact that our life in Christ, if we can somehow be involved in that and patting ourselves on the back or doing some good in order to earn our salvation, our inheritance, we are effectively robbing God of some of His glory. We are. We're robbing him. We're stealing glory from the Lord. But if in fact, all of this, all of this is according to his counsel, his choice, his gift, his will, then every bit of it is to his praise. Every bit of it is to his glory. Now, let me back up for a minute. I want to talk about two things real quick before we close. And it's this. One, let's talk about the seal. The sealing of the Holy Spirit. I hope that we all recognize how precious that is. The, the sealing of the Holy Spirit is nothing less than the Holy Spirit indwelling believers moving believers changing believers convicting believers the indwelling of the holy spirit in a believer's life is that seal the presence of the holy spirit so it's not it's not this inert sort of just wax seal on a statement on a on an envelope that can be broken this is a living breathing active seal indwelling us, causing us to be more like Christ. And that is a precious, precious thing. But I would argue that if you and I were able to in some way build up enough spiritual brownie points or to earn our salvation in some way. If we felt that earning, that, that our salvation, that obtaining salvation was somewhat of a team sport, you know, yes, God's the captain, but, you know, I'm, I'm a sixth man, right? That sort of thing. Then I would argue, number one, the Holy Spirit's seal could be broken. And number two, that you could lose your salvation. And so, if at any point we are able to put forth effort to earn our salvation, then I would agree with all those other theologians who say that you can possibly lose it. Because if you have any part in gaining it, you can lose it as well. But if in fact God is the sole originator of our salvation from beginning to end, then here's what's going to happen. God chooses you. God creates the means 
by which you're going to hear the truth of the gospel. God is going to open up your ears, your heart, and your mind to the gospel. God is going to give you faith to believe. God, through the work of His Son, is going to cover you with the blood of Christ. God is sending His Holy Spirit to seal you by indwelling you. And God is going to ensure that you persevere. Notice that in all of that, the originator of the work is God. It is not us. Which means that you can have assurance. And I will also argue this. Is that if for one moment you have anything to do with your salvation, then you have no assurance at all that you're saved. And here's why. I sin daily. And if someone in here doesn't, then you're responsible for the potluck next month because it'll be perfect in every way. All right? I sin daily. And if my sin was a cause for me losing my salvation, I would always be going to bed at night fretting and worrying about whether or not my sin was the straw that broke the camel's back to cause the Holy Spirit to depart from me. Does everybody see that? And by the way, that's all through Scripture. That's all through Scripture. And that should inform us how to pray. How to pray for our kids. If we've got kids who are not believers yet, what do we do? Here's what we do. We faithfully share the gospel with them. We faithfully continue to share the gospel with them, number one. And then we pray that God would open their hearts, minds, and ears to hear the truth and cause them to believe. That's it. That's all you can do. I mean, feed them, bathe them, clothe them, you know, stuff like that too. All right, take care of them so they'll live to hear it. But regarding their salvation, that's it. How many of us, and let's be honest here, how many of us, as our kids were growing up, you wanted to take the Bible and kind of set them down on the couch and just smack them around with the Bible, hoping that John 3.16 would just slide in one ear and stick? Don't lie, I did. In fact, I may have actually done that once. All right? <laughs> you just want to pick your Bible up and just slide... You're like, I am going to play VeggieTales on repeat until those kids are crying for Jesus. We do that. We do that. And listen, it's not out of, it's, it's not because we want our children, we want our family, we want our friends to believe so much that we are willing to, and that's what Paul said, if I could give up myself, for the sake of for all you to believe, I would. But Paul knew better because it wasn't in his power to do so. It was only the power of God that was going to cause them to believe. And so don't stress. 
Don't stress over it. Let that anxiety just float away, realizing that your inheritance is your inheritance, and leave the inheritance that is going to be your child's up to the Lord's. Up to the Lord. Not plural. Okay? Leave that to God. And relax. Just share the gospel. Pray. Model what a Christian looks like. And pray that the Lord will use you as the means by which they see Christ. And then God will open them up to the gospel and cause them to see it. And what a glorious day that is. And then it's all praising God. No need to pat yourself on the back and pull something doing it. Just praise the Lord the entire time. A promised inheritance is a wonderful thing. Let's go to the Lord. Father, we thank you. We give you all the glory this morning, Father. We praise you for all things. We thank you for salvation. We thank you for this eternal inheritance that you have gifted us. And Father, I pray that we would be faithful in bearing fruit for your glory. Lord, I pray that we would be, I pray that everyone in here would be counted among the number of those who believe. Father, I do pray that we would be a means by which the gospel is heard. I pray that you would open the hearts, minds, and ears of our children, of our friends, of our family, of our enemies, so that they would hear the gospel and that they would believe. Lord, we thank you and we love you. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.